You're listening to Feel Free to Deviate, the podcast about people, their careers, and their relationships with success. My name is Jim Turbert, and I'm the host. The guest on this episode is Shane Flaherty. He is currently the CTO for an IT management company called IndieCon, but to say that he's an IT guy would be selling him short. He's been a professor, an arborist, and he has a few degrees. I'm not going to list all of his titles and companies here, partially because I don't know all of them, but also because we go over several of them in our conversation. The important thing isn't really what he does, but how he got to where he is and how he acquired all of his knowledge. It's about his approach. He's disciplined, he has strong views on education, and he's never stopped learning both inside and outside of the traditional education system. We probably could have talked for several more hours. In fact, some of the topics we talked about didn't make it into the episode, but I'm going to find a way to work them into a future episode. Maybe even the next one. I'm not sure how it's going to work yet, but we'll see how it goes. Just a note, there there are a few swears, just a few. It's not gratuitous. I think everyone will survive if they hear it. Please let me know if you don't survive. I'm going to keep this intro short. Settle into whatever you're doing. This is my conversation with Shane Flaherty. I was just sitting here talking to, I guess, myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that was great. And I was like, kind of waiting for you to respond and you didn't so <laughs> like what is with this guy he sucks at this yeah <laughs> yeah no it was uh that was interesting okay um yeah so how is this going uh that's a good question and it depends on how you want to look at it that's one of the topics of of the podcast is what is what is success if you want to say success is thousands or millions of listeners not not there yet <laughs> Well, I mean, how long have you been doing it for? Almost a year. I I, I heard in one that you had some type of uh, mental kind of uh, timetable for your growth and that you were, it wasn't going as planned. No, um, no. But I'm, I'm wondering how you calculated that. It was a combination of just seeing how, especially over the course of COVID, how some brand new podcasts that I was listening to just kind of blew up and then reading articles on how to start a podcast and stuff like that. And having these people say that you can realistically expect this. And then once you have a thousand regular listeners, then blah, 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 and advertising and this, that, and the other thing. And I was thinking, okay, this is cool. I, and I think, I think it's very interesting for a lot of people. I mean, your topic is a little bit broad, yeah. I think. Um, I think a lot of people are interested in like, not just the topic itself, but really uh, what Jim's doing. And <laughs> well, well, really, it's all about me. <laughs> I know. Well, I, 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 I got that, which has made it really interesting. You know, I was like, well, I'm going to go on there and we're going to, I mean, the, I won't, I don't need to be nervous or anything because the first half we're going to talk about if Jim got a job yet. No, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's because you spend all your time doing podcasts. Not all of it. I recently had a second interview. I'm cautiously optimistic and other than that, I get, I just also, I, today I got a, a nice rejection letter from, what is it called? The ocean cleanup. Did they like, tell you that you're overqualified? No, they told me they filled the position with someone who isn't me. <laughs> oh man. Wouldn't it be nice if it, if the letter actually said that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't really like you that much for this job. Yeah. So we picked somebody else. But quite frankly, we have no idea why you even applied. <laughs> Was it actually cleaning up the ocean? It's some kind of a nonprofit organization, and they need someone to write all manner of copy. Yeah, I didn't get the vibe that this was the kind of place that was looking for a guy like me. Mm. But I still applied because, you know, it's cool. I want to clean up the ocean. Yeah, me too. Place is a mess. <laughs> but you, 
Shane. Me. Shane. This is about you. I mean, it's it's about me, but it's about you as well. It's about us. It is. (laughs) It is. I'm Shane. Let me let, let me just try to get things rolling by saying I don't know exactly what you do. I I know that you got a lot of fires burning. You got a f- a farm. You started some kind of a cloud networking company or something. And I I know you did work in education. But then is there an educational component to the farm? I've seen pictures of you in trees and stuff. I don't know what the hell. I don't know what your deal is. But it seems like you've got a lot of cool things going on. And also personal projects. Like I I remember seeing on social media, you were renovating a school bus. You always got some crazy new vehicle. (laughs) Yeah. And, Um, and I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to talk. And we're men of a certain age and men at that age require a lot of maintenance to avoid turning into a jelly donut. And I know that I every day feel like I'm closer to a jelly donut, yet you are as big as a house. So you also find lots of time for physical fitness. You got projects and physical fitness. And I just, I, I, I'm always amazed when people have all those things going on because I just can't mentally or physically do it. I, I, I hear that as a theme kind of people of our vintage. Let me start. There's a lot of things there to unpack with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so let's start with my job. Yeah. So I, I do have a, a bunch of different jobs. I would like to say I'm a small business owner, maybe even a serial small business owner, but this most recent one's not so small anymore. The the IT cloud thing is called Indicon. The original name was Independent Connections. That was when I first uh, onboarded, but I, I thought it sounded like a dating uh, app. So, <laughs> so I, changed it to, I, I changed it to something that sounds more like a like a race car circuit or something. <laughs> so it's called Indicon, and yeah, it's 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 basically a managed ser- an IT managed service provider, which is like you know if you're a s- small to medium to gigantic business and you just want to farm out all your IT, uh, we can provide like help desk. Uh, techs and engineers. I actually work there as the CTO and I am a, a partner in, in the company. But yeah, it was, so it started kind of small a few years back. We had this one little office and now there's now there's like, I don't know, 60 employees and it's Whoa. like the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a big thing now. So it takes up a lot of my time. The tree thing that you talk about is another company that I have. I'm an, I'm an arborist and, um, you know, basically we, we do tree removal, trimming, things like that, you know, maintenance. And before it was, it, it was all kinds of things, landscaping and stuff like that. But, um, I had a different consulting job back then. And, uh, so I had more time. So I still have like all the equipment and I still will do a tree here and there just to keep myself in shape, really. Honestly, climbing is really great exercise. I, I, I really enjoy cutting trees and climbing. I just did a couple here on my own property. My wife watched me cut them down and she, I don't think she was very impressed. You know, she was like, why? You're so, cause I was way high up in the tree and it looked super dangerous. Oh, so sketchy. she was scared. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think she, I think she imagined, uh, what, I what I would do when I went, cause you know, normally we use a bucket or a lift or, or something, but sometimes you, you do climb because I just don't know if she envisioned it the way that it really is, which uh-huh. is ultra sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like a childhood fantasy being, being realized. Look at how high I am. This is yeah. crazy. <laughs> I got a saw. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that. This bigger tree 
one day my my wife texts me and she goes, "Your son is all the way up in the top of the pine tree, and he's like doing TikTok videos." Like, <laughs> oh, no, stupid dude. friend. So he's like, he's way up there. He's got his phone. So I, the first thing I did when I came home was I cut down all the low branches. <laughs> <laughs> good, good call. But um, but I have way less time to do that now with IndyCon. It's just kind of consumed. Uh, my life which does lead into the kind of physical part i uh my weight fluctuates like oprah like so <laughs> in the winter time i'm like kind of fat no uh, and yeah st- no for so like this is everybody's laughs about this because everyone you can't tell because i hide it because i'm six five you know so it's like in in january i actually had some i think i even put some post some stories on instagram i think i was i was 311 311 pounds whoa yeah man and then now i think right now i'm about 272 which is the the sweet spot for me is around between 255 and 270 i'll be 250 again by the end of summer and and i'll feel really great about that because like i have been working out a lot so i still have i still have muscle but then at 300 i'm just like doughy like a like a for real jelly donut it's bad Uh, but i just can't help myself i have zero self-control over the holidays like none don't care My, my wife does cookie swaps and i'm all in like she'll bring home all the cookies. And I guess the idea behind the cookie swap is you, you get cookies and then you bring them home for Christmas. But like, fuck that. I eat them all like right away. Now, I, I would have that. I would have that, that issue as well. So the weight fluctuation is, I think mostly I joke around. Cause when I, I, for a while I, I did some work and I was, I was living in Texas in Austin for like a year and I was the thinnest I ever um, was. And it's because there's no winter, right? So right. like I do run and I'm pretty active, but I, I don't mess with running outside in the winter time. Treadmills just really don't do it for me. So, oh, so, gross. so I do it just because, you know, you have to, but, um, it's not fun to do like it was in Texas because in the winter it gets, I wouldn't say cold, but it's cooler, but it's great running weather. I was able to run year round that one year. Not that weight is a good indication of, of health, but I was like 245, which is like 10 pounds le- lighter than I ever get in the summer now. Right. So it's, I think it's just, just act- activity, you know, skiing allegedly burns a lot of calories according to my fitness app but i it doesn't because then you like you're done skiing and you go and you have like you some beers in that social aspect you know it's all a wash for the day right yeah i i am um, I, I can't run anymore or i'm not supposed to run anymore why old man problems arthritis in my hips what what is is that what is that from what you just get i arthritis? think it's just bad genetics or something and the doctor basically said yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't do impact exercises because it's not going to get better it's not it doesn't heal it's just going to get worse and worse and worse over time so thanks for the positive prognosis yeah no for real this is just going to get worse forever but don't worry someday you'll die and you'll be dead for eternity so you won't have to worry about it i'm just, I'm just waiting for stem cell treatments to be available at the drugstore yes so so you could but you could still swim and bike and stuff yeah 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 sure and i do i do run a little bit but yeah um and like obviously you you probably want to stay away from like pavement and stuff like that yeah which is hard in the city you live in granby right i do yeah that's probably a lot of good places to run there i live right next to the the nature preserve so it's maybe like 
I don't know, three quarters of a mile to the first uh, entrance to the Simsbury Nature Preserve. There's tons of acreage. I don't know what the acreage is, but there's trails and stuff in there. It's really great. I, I love running in the woods. It's the greatest thing. I used to pretend that I was like in a spy movie or something and like run through the woods and yeah. like duck under branches and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> super, yes. super corny, but it was fun. <laughs> Made it fun for me. It is fun. So, <laughs> so what I think about now when I run through the woods is like how easy it would be to die out there, you know? <laughs> so you're like, you're running down these hills, which I used to do the same thing. I run so fast, you know, and I used to like jump off rocks and stuff when I was little. And now I'm just thinking if I twist my ankle on one of these roots, I would tumble down this hill and drown in the river. Nobody would find so that's, me. That's, <laughs> no one would know. My wife would just be like, okay, I guess he left. He's not coming back from running today. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I think about when I run, but I, yeah, I, I, re I do remember spy movie tactics in the woods, James Bond, I guess. It's so, I, fun, I so much know. fun. So yeah, so I do, I do try to work out. I would say it's sporadic. Um, during COVID, we on the farm here, we cleaned out a garage and we built a gym. So one of the things is, uh, at, at the, the company, the Indicon, you know, our, our primary vertical is really healthcare. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say that I saw COVID coming, but like before it's, I, I saw that it was going to be a huge problem. So I don't know if you know, but like during COVID, it was like, basically impossible to get any kind of fitness equipment so i ordered it right away and we built an entire gym like with squat racks and benches and and so now i have that out there and it's just like a garage you open up the garage and you know you can work out in there so during covid i was that was probably the best shape i've ever been in my whole life because my wife and i would go out there in the morning early and work out you know almost every day i would smell three three or four days a week it was great and she was spotting you she she was but she was spotting me <laughs> Because of all the kids, uh, we we have to kind of alternate our morning workouts. Now, my daughter, she's eleven months old. So, um, congratulations, by the way. Th thank you, thank you. She's great, um, but she doesn't cooperate in terms of sleep necessarily. Because my son, during COVID, he was he was you know about her age, maybe a little older. He would sleep from like seven to seven, so uh -huh. it was no problem to work out in the garage together. But um, no, Lily likes to wake up sometime between. 4:45 and 5:30. Perfect. Yeah, it's great. So, so we have to alternate uh, who gets to work out on what day. Well, I, I just I think it's cool that you still do it because I I just can't bring myself to do it. It's it's hard. We used to hang out mostly in middle school and then a little bit in high school because we worked at Lake yep. Ridge. Yep. And we went on that crazy camping trip with Al Hart and Bill Gombos. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> It was, it was, it was, awesome. it was eventful, we'll just say. Yeah. <laughs> and working at Lake Ridge was fun too. When we recently emailed, I knew you were ready to go. I didn't even make a lot of notes for this podcast because you were already, you were already saying things like, oh, and this, and this, and this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, we got enough material to talk about. After some of the promotion I made for the Michael Sweetek episode, you said something about not reading books in high school. And that kind of feeds into the, you were like weightlifting party guy. And we were going in the Land Rover to Maine to go to the beach. And now you know all about computer networking and cloud computing companies. I don't know how that comes to pass. I guess that would be a long story, but let me try to, let me try to kind of walk through that. I was still weightlifting party guy until I was about 35 years old, awesome. maybe later. <laughs> but, um, I started in Winstead. I went to bachelor kindergarten and then we, we moved a lot from there. So from there, I went to Bark Hampstead. I went to school there for a while. We moved to New Hampshire. I went to one school in New Hampshire. We moved to another place in New Hampshire. 
Then we moved back to Bark Hampstead. And then I moved to Winston again. And that was in eighth grade. And that's where, right. you know, I, I met, you know, well, so you had gone, actually, that's not true. I, I knew you from you, Bark you, Hampstead you as school, well. Yeah. You went to school in Bark Hampstead when in like second grade or something. So you were there for a little while and we were on the same bus. Right. And then uh, from there, I, I moved back to Bark Hampstead, went to regional, moved to Torrington, went to Torrington High, moved back to Bark Hampstead and went back to regional. So some of them were, you know, back to schools that I'd been to. But um, I wasn't really interested in school when I was in school. I, I, I liked going to school, but not to be educated. I wasn't really interested in learning anything other than just like hanging out with my friends. That was, that was really always a thing. You know, in retrospect, I had some great teachers that tried to teach me or try to get us to read, you know, really great books, books mm -hmm. that they would probably never teach in school now. Uh, I'm going to find out when my son goes to high school next year. But, um, it turns out that not until I had Ronan and he got to be school age that, uh, my son has ADHD and, um, it turns out that I have really bad ADHD as well in, in a real kind of way. It, it kind of, kind of threw me and it described, you know, explained a lot of things that happened. Like when I was younger, like how I just was constantly getting in trouble. Uh, in fact, I was thinking about this story, how in, in the second grade at Bark Hampstead, they made me eat in a, in the closet. What? Like the cleaning closet? Yeah. Yeah. Because like they had like this rule, like if you did like three things wrong, you would or actually, if you did one thing wrong, it was this and two things, it was like you lost recess, but there was no thing for th three things wrong. <laughs> so they had me eat, <laughs> eat in this closet and I'm not kidding you. It was like a closet that had like the cleaning supplies. I could, I could point it out if, if the school has been renovated since, but, um, they had me eat in this closet. And, and I remember like being so scared because I was in so much trouble that I didn't tell my mom. And then I told her and she lost her mind. And I mean, rightfully I mean, so. Now this, now this would never obviously happen. It's the, the amount of things that could happen to people making, but she went to the school and she was just absolutely insane, um, uh, with anger. And I wish I could see that now because it would be funny, but, um, I just didn't pay attention in school. High school, I was just telling my wife yesterday, I was the kid like, hey, I don't have a pencil. Hey, can you give me a piece of paper from your notebook? And then after class, I don't, you know, I would just throw it in the garbage. Um, didn't, <laughs> didn't pay attention, didn't pay attention to anything, didn't really study for tests and did okay in school, uh, I guess. After high school, you know, because, because, I don't know, Mrs. Coles, you know, told me first, she told me I should be a mechanic. And then she told me I should go to, go to college if I could, you know, because that's what every, Every uh, guidance counselor who's never actually had any other job but being a guidance counselor, that's what they tell you to do. They, they tell you to go to college, right? So, of course, I went to college and I, I failed out um, after like – because I did the same thing I did in high school at college. But at college, the teachers don't care. They love to fail you. They're just like, yeah, you, you get an F. You didn't come to school, you know. Sure, and the partying game ups a, ups a level. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, I mean, I it's uh, – yeah. So I, I, yeah, so I was excited to go away to school. I was excited to, you know, learn how to play Anchorman and Flip Cup and get trashed uh, all the time. And it was great. The social aspect of college was fantastic. So I was academically dismissed from Eastern and I came home. And then I started like working, doing like construction work for a while. Um, and I started installing pools at a place in Torrington called Gregorio's. It's like a pool spa place. I did that for a while. And then I um, started working down in Fairfield County. Anyway, this is the long version, I guess I ended up telling. But so what happened was sometime in there, I decided, you know, with influence from, um, you know, more positive friends, I decided to go back to school 
But I decided to go to community college because I wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted to do. I knew or thought that I was really bad in like mathematics and physics and chemistry because I did so badly in them in high school. So I had already convinced myself that I was terrible at these subjects. So I had to even take like this, uh, this not for credit class at the community college because my math was so bad. Somehow I found it in myself to pay attention and like take notes and I did totally fine. Yeah. Basically I realized that I, you know, I, I started taking notes. The, my notes and, and, you know, when I went back to college the second time, if you, I saved them because they're so ridiculous. They're just like these really detailed, crazy notes. And I found it's the only way that I could maintain my concentration in these classes is to just like do these really crazy perfect notes that's and the did way someone that teach I, you I was, this or was or did you no, this was, it was like just your own system. self-derived coping mechanism that i figured out and then i did really well and i ended up getting a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering and then i got a master's degree in software engineering but it wasn't until i was you know i would say much older comparatively so i got the, the i think i got my bachelor's degree when i was 26 and then I didn't finish my master's until I was like 29. But the whole time, I went to Central for engineering. And when I was there, I was working at Starbucks. Okay. You know? Actually, I think it was some commentary about you do get free coffee, Jim, if All you right. work at Starbucks. Okay. Just so you know. I'll, um, I'll keep that in yeah. mind. Maybe I'll go apply. How, so I, it was actually a, a great place to work, honestly. Um, but anyway, so so I worked there while I was in college. And then when I graduated, it was when Starbucks was exploding. There was new stores going in everywhere. I got to work. I wouldn't call it a mechanical engineer, but I got to work on, you know, some of the installs and doing some of the CAD work for new store installs, you know, the plumbing layouts and things like that. Oh, nice. That's sort of where I transitioned into doing kind of hands-on technical things. I got my engineering degree and I went to work for a company called Schlumberger Dahl. And they do mostly oil exploration, deep well drilling. I worked at a research facility um, and I basically just did computer-aided design and uh, FEA on like pressure vessels, which was pretty boring. Um, I decided right then and there that I hated engineering as a career, <laughs> although I was really interested in the curriculum. And I started looking for a different job and I got a job at a software company in Torrington, Connecticut, and I started learning about IT. I would say I, I really took to it. I don't know if I fell in love with it, but I, I enjoy um, kind of the logical way that you solve problems. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's like a it, puzzle. Absolutely. I compare it a lot because I, you know, somewhere in there before that, I also was a mechanic for a while. I compare like troubleshooting because it's all systems, right? Sure. So I compared troubleshooting a car and what's wrong with a car to a, a you know computer system of, of any kind. There's there is a there's a definite reason that something is behaving that way, and all you just have to do is identify it. So after that, I did job to job for a while, and then I um, that's when I went to grad school for 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 computer um, software. But I never really used that either, to be honest. Some of what I gained at college was. I guess somewhat valuable, but in retrospect, I, I wish I didn't go uh, to grad school. The juice wasn't worth the squeeze there. <laughs> and then I started uh, teaching as an adjunct back at, at Central uh, in engin in the engineering department. That's a pretty for a sweet while. gig. <laughs> yeah, I taught there for actually like 10 years. Uh, it, for a while. It was, <laughs> yeah, it, time goes fast, right? And But what I started to realize, which I this is probably one of the things I commented on, is that I don't know that I really believe in college anymore, except for a very small subset of degrees offered. Okay. You know, things like lab sciences or, or nursing, obviously 
you know, specialized professional degrees, like, like being a lawyer or uh, an architect, for instance. But, um, and the students were great. And that's the only thing I miss are the students. I saw a lot of um, kids that were there that didn't really want to be there. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, because they're told they, they have to go or that they need to. Otherwise, they're going to be failures. Exactly. And that's that's like the the metric for some reason is a college degree, which I realize is 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 absolute nonsense. Agreed. If you just think of, if you just think about a, a student, you know, who, who gets out of high school. Right. And say they went to work. Say they came to work for me at Indy and they worked there for four years. Or if you get somebody that went to school and got an IS degree and then comes out, you know, who is actually more marketable? I mean, it, it's not even close. In fact, at Indy, we don't put four-year degree or any of that in. I just, I'm looking for someone that can perform a, a job and is curious and interested in learning, you know, new skills. And they're not even really soft skills. Those are just things you can't really teach, like curiosity and, you know, kind of the desire to learn new things. I don't know if it's innate, but basically that's what we really look for. Sure. You know, obviously, the person needs to be smart, right? So can solve a problem, have you know a, a normal problem-solving skill set, and be relatively technical, but um, not be afraid to break something. Yeah, I, absolutely. That's kind of my most valuable skill, I think. I'm just like, <laughs> well, I mean, if you can break it, you could probably fix it. So let's just go see. Yeah. Him. So I don't know. I don't know about that because my mom always tells everyone the story about how I took apart my speak and spell. <laughs> I used to take. A, I used to. I used to take all of my toys apart and then yeah. put it back together. I just was kind of trying to figure out like how, I mean, I was sure that I could fix it. Well, I broke a lot of things recently even, but. The L button was stuck or something. So I took the whole thing apart and then it just didn't work at all. You recently broke something? What'd you break? Not recently, recently, but I, it's my philosophy going in. Like I can try to fix it. And sometimes I end up really messing it up. Me too. Generally, I can fix it. I just did it with a baby monitor like three days ago. Nice. I was like, oh, I can I can fix that. It has like a loose plug. I put it all back together and now it doesn't work at all. So I had to order another one. I was soldering this this lamp with a printed circuit board in it. It was like an LED lamp with little fiber cable things coming out of the top, you know, with different colors. So that, that anyway, it was like this weird little tentacle lamp thing. And I mean, it could have been my shoddy soldering skills, but I, I think that the the board actually there was something wrong with the board. I think that the the path was definitely bl- definitely blame it on the board. <laughs> Blaming it on the board. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not. It's it's also possible that you like your bead was like hitting two outputs, and so your bead was like too big. But like, I would definitely blame the board. I'm, I'm blaming no the board because I think yeah, I just think it was a poorly made board. It doesn't matter. It, it's in the garbage now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good place for it. It's it's fun to do it. I mean, there's a chance that you repair it and imagine the satisfaction. I love it. Me, I me fixed, too. I, like yesterday, it's so simple. I, you know, I just tuned up my lady's bicycle. It's like super simple. I just had to adjust the gears. She was complaining about it for weeks. And every, every day I, I just forget because it's not my bike. So I don't think about the fact that the gears need to be adjusted. But finally, she's just like, oh, remember I told you that the gears need to be adjusted? So I fixed it, and then I felt like a big hero. I just had a flashback of how crazy you were about your bike, like how <laughs> how perfect, in what perfect working order it always was. It was, it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> it was chrome, and it had Peregrine 48s, I think. Dude, I really, it did. It did. I really wish I still had that bike. I, a couple years ago, I saw that frame you know, some young kid in Boston, like a young kid, like he was a 20 year old guy riding a retro BMX bike in Boston before I moved. And I was like, dude, I used to have that bike. And he got all excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, 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 
sometimes we'll see like I, so I had a GT Pro Performer. Nice. And I love that thing. And I would see I'll see them sometimes. Uh, or a Hutch Trickstar, like oh, like so two of the bikes that I had, and, I, and I'm like, I'm gonna buy this. I'm just gonna buy it. I don't care. And then I'm thinking, like, why? I'm like, what am I hanging on my wall? Yeah, I'm not gonna ride this because it's awesome. They, but yeah, they have, that's they the have only. Tw- it's the. <laughs> it's the only reason you buy it is because it's, it's awesome. awesome. <laughs> they have 29 inch cruiser models of the, the GTs now, and the PK Ripper, and they're so yeah, the, cool. Haro, Haro makes a, a 29. Oh yeah, there's God. some good ones, but I just can't. I, don't, I, know. I, don't know, I don't know. I mean, it's not like they're cheap. I mean, they're not crazy expensive. It's not like you can't afford it. Think, it's just that. I think they're like 1500 bucks or something, right? Around they're there. so nice. <laughs> but where am I going to ride that? Exactly. Here? I mean, I, I would ride it around I'm gonna, here. But... I'll go around. I'll go cruise around McDonald's with it. You know, <laughs> hang out with <laughs> <laughs> Duel through the drive-through. Yeah, I'll go to there. I'll go to. I'll go over to Dairy Queen and Winstead and hang out on my bike. Do some wheelies. I don't even think kids do that anymore. It would be harder to wheelie those thing, right? No, 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 I guess no man. That's. I think that's the whole purpose. They're all geared in this crazy way. All the kids that have them around here are constantly doing wheelies. Man, it's your fault. I'm gonna be like Jim told me to get one. <laughs> You're gonna get the, the PK Ripper. <laughs> I'll go out there and break my wrist. Trying to, trying to do like a bar spin or something. <laughs> yeah, so I stopped teaching because I just wasn't I wasn't feeling it anymore. That's that's really the reason too. I well I I also had a couple of uh, I won't call them incidents, but one time I was having conversation because I really like the kids. I, I really you know I, I think that they appreciate the fact that I was working in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know because a lot of the professors there are everywhere. In fact, not not just there. I, I don't want to say that they're uh, unique in any way. Uh, most professors are fucking dinosaurs, and they've been teaching for 30 years, and they don't know anything about what's going on in the industry. And it would be very clear when I would have a new idea or something I wanted to add to the course, and like the bureaucracy that goes on there is just like, no, you can't do that because of this. So we were talking one day about work, and I ended up somehow doing like an ROI on uh, their engineering degree versus uh, buying like a welding rig and uh, going to technical, you know, six months of or nine months. Yeah, like DeVry uh, or something. Yeah, Lincoln Tech out here. Uh, and, and I did this whole ROI on the board and, and somehow I got back to the dean. And so I had to go like to the faculty board and it was like this whole thing. As you could imagine, I, d- I didn't really care. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know, I thought it was funny. I still think it's funny, actually. It's funnier now than it was then. You know, it's just like, what are we really doing for these kids? Are we trying to give them real guidance or are we just trying to get them to pay for classes? I started to really feel like it was the latter. You know, they, they did start letting me do my own. I started to develop my own, like, cloud um, classes. So I was able to create my own classes in the IS uh, area. And I just wasn't feeling it. But I do miss the students. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I wouldn't say sour on, on college in general. I think community college is great. I think, um, that's maybe the best education in, in, that I, that I got out of, and I, and I went, I went to Fairfield, which was a great, that's a great school. But I think that the, I got a, a better education at the community college level, uh, Norwalk. And that kind of has led me to even kind of start to scrutinize elementary and secondary education to the point where, I think my wife's going to homeschool our, our kids. <laughs> Whoa, that's big. <laughs> yeah. So I so Granby's a great town. We have great schools here. Uh-huh. I must be just like turning into one of those old men that just like thinks they know everything about everything. But, you know, you <laughs> know, inevitable. do you really want strangers teaching your kids? And if you homeschool them, you know, the pace, you could either really ramp up the pace and you could start to teach them about things that, you know, they don't necessarily learn in school, things that they actually need to know, you know, for like life. 
I think that a lot of schools are trying to do that. I actually volunteer at one. That's something I started doing after I stopped teaching. It's like a vocational school and they have like, you know, automotive tech and they have culinary and things like that. I help them develop a, a program for information systems, um, which this is the first year that they're doing it. Something that you could turn into actual work, right? One of the things I liked teaching in engineering was computer-aided drafting, which which if you're like a, a distinguished professor, you don't like teaching things like that, basically, because it's, you know, it's kind of like a layup course. I always liked teaching it because I thought that you could actually go get a job, you know, doing SolidWorks. You can, you doing, really can. I started pushing to get them to take like the the certification exams and they did and a lot of them would pass it so now you're a senior you're about to graduate and now you have a certification in solidworks and some of them would get like the advanced ones and so that that like really had value and in the cloud course i developed and taught i would have them get their aws certification which is like a pretty big deal but these kids you know when you're uh, if you can remember back to when you're in college you have like this almost endless amount of time so they they can like study if they really want to do it, they have plenty of time to prepare and pass it, which is really valuable in the workplace. I think almost equally as valuable as a college degree, which I'm sure I'll get some hate on that one, but uh, I think it's true. I have mixed feelings about the college degree. Many, many, many of my friends teach at the university level or in high school, and it's hard for me to dismiss it outright. But in general, I think you're 100% correct. I I remember I, I went to art school, which there are you know, just search online. Do I need to go to art school? Of course, you don't need to go to art school. You can make art without going to school. But I think that for some people, I don't know if I'm in that category. I think for some people, it's nice to have the guidance because I can tell you that when I decided to go to art school, I had I had left the University of Vermont. I didn't know what the hell I, I was going to do. I had to sit down and think what I wanted to do. And I, and I decided, all right, I just want, I want to go to film school. I looked up film schools and I found Massachusetts College of Art in Boston because it was the cheapest one I could find. And that's why I moved to Boston. Going in there without having previous, it's not like I was art guy in, in, in high school. I, you know, I went to art museums and stuff, but I wasn't art, art guy. I didn't know anything. I, I benefited a lot from being forced to take art history. And some people say you don't need art history, but I don't know. I, I feel like I benefited from it. Does, is it required to make good art? No. I guess what I'm saying is that some people don't have the wherewithal to get started or they don't know how to get started. And sometimes it's nice to have a rubric or that, that, that structure to get you going. But it's pretty undeniable that if you are learning stuff on the job, actual stuff for what they do in the actual industry, it's hard to deny that that's not more valuable. Exactly. Right. So, so what I was going to ask you, but you answered was, you know, what, what would you have learned that you couldn't have learned like as a, as an, in an internship or as a mentor, you know, as an employee somewhere, the answer is nothing, but how to get that job, yeah, you know, how to get that internship is the problem. That's part and, of it. And I yes. totally get what you're saying. I mean, for God's sake, you don't even know like the jargon or where to look or exactly. what can be done. You know, so, so there's this foundational, but as a rule, I probably would, would say that I would sort of right off. Like I said, community colleges are great. They are. I, they're the I, best. I, really, I can't say enough about them. And the funny thing about it too, is that I had a professor at Norwalk Community Technical College that I had in my graduate program at Fairfield. 
because they're very close geographically to each other. Okay. So, so like, you know, here you're paying $60,000 a year. And over here, you're, back then I was paying like $800 a semester. So a nice ridiculous price. thing. Yeah. Right. But I totally agree with you that like, especially for, for people that don't have access to like, if they're interested in something that's out of the realm of their, their family, really, yeah. you know, like uh, you and I both probably were, you know, so like, I couldn't like ask my mom about computers, Definitely especially not back then. So, so I totally agree with you, but the, the trick would be to, if there was a way, this is why I like technical high schools, if there's a way that you could get that without having to necessarily go to college, you know, because I, and I remember specifically, I think you and Ed were talking about it, all the wasted time there is so in high school. Time. I mean, it's a joke. Going to school, I mean, it's just half of it is them teaching you how to conform to <laughs> what they believe is the representation of society, which just, I mean, the whole thing makes me want to flip a table over. I just think that there there's a lot of opportunity that's sort of missed and a lot of, you know, the time wasted is a big deal. I've been reading about homeschooling. Admittedly, I, I know nothing about it. So I started, you know, reading about it and a lot of people they do sort of what what we would consider to be like academic stuff for like two hours a day. And then they go like on nature walks or instead of learning about the Lincoln Monument, they go like on a road trip and they go down, you know, to Washington, D.C. Things that you can do as a family that you could, you, obviously schools are limited in like they can't just like Go call these Washington. kids on a bus and take them. What they're saying is most people would be prepared to take an equivalency exam when they're like 13 or 14 years old that are homeschooled. Who, who says that's way I, too young? You're going to need to send me a link because I would lo- I would love to see that. I think that homeschooling is a is an interesting idea. I, personally, I can't see myself doing it. I don't know me either that I have. I think the it's a patience. great idea for my wife. I think it's per- <laughs> <laughs> it's not for me. I mean, I I liked teaching college, but it's also like it's a much different. It's totally different, actually. The only similarity is that there's some transfer of knowledge going on. But she, you know, she's home with the kids all the time, and, and I think being on a farm, there's also all kinds of other opportunities here to you know for learning that. That would be great, especially when kids are younger. I'll send you a bunch of books. Maybe you can even, you know, you can post them or something somewhere. Yeah. But it's, I start to get like really radical when I start to think about it. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, well, who needs college? And then I'm like, well, who needs any school when you think about it? Because like, okay, so say I teach my three-year-old son everything that I know. Mm-hmm. And unless his plan is to go work for somebody else, what's the reason that he needs a diploma? It's just like some type of credential to allow you to get your first job. It's really, it's really pretty trite when you think about how much time you spend to get a a diploma and really like what it represents. It's just sort of like the societal expectation that you have this thing. And it's really totally arbitrary, in my opinion. (laughs) I mean, because like what one student does in their high school it might be completely different than what somebody else does. Yeah, I mean, I have the same I have the same diploma as the valedictorian. I have the same high school diploma as a vice president of XYZ company. How many people give a shit if you, what your GPA was in high school? I mean, no, I mean, after, nobody. Especially if you're if you're like I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to if I want to be and I I hate the word entrepreneur, but say say you want to be an entrepreneur, and that's your plan. I, obviously, you need to have in education, but that doesn't mean that you had to go to high school. Having a diploma and being educated are two completely different things. Just like college. I mean, it's the same exact thing. Oh, you have a college degree? Sweet. But what do you know? What, what can you apply to this job that I want to hire you for? And of course, the, there's always the whole argument about gen ed requirements. Like, 
are they valuable? Yes, they are. And like you were saying, art history. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Yep. I, I especially now, I would you know I would love to take, but like, is it valuable other than for your personal gain? I guess you know you're, for for culture. You know, for, you're, for culture. So you yeah, sure. There's a lot of history in 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 art history. It it does right. help you understand other cultures. It gives you an idea of what maybe life was like for well, mostly for very rich people, depending on which art you're looking at. Yeah, um, it's like a snapshot into other aspects of of human life over time. Right, and that branches that branches out into other things that were going on, especially at the time. Right, so so it, it, you know, art history obviously translates into history as a whole and then, and then how, how those interrelate. And that's very interesting. It is. But like, and that's just something that I think that everyone should, should know about, but how, how does that, you know, actually translate? This is a good example. Okay. So say that someone didn't know any of that. They know nothing about that. But all I teach them is how to be a mechanic and they can fix anything. Right. And you, and, and to be a mechanic, you, you can just go take the, t- the test, the ASE and, uh, ASME. And you, if you pass it, you're a mechanic, right? Is their life from a producer perspective? Is it any different? You know, for the, sh- in Connecticut, at least at this school, there was a short time where they weren't in school. It was, it was maybe like three or four months, but I started really looking at like his Google classroom stuff and what yep. they were doing and his assignments. And I continue to do that because even though they're going to school, they still use Google classroom almost exclusively. Yeah. It's very popular. So I can see all the stuff that they're working on. And some of it is just like busy work. It, I, exactly what I was going to say. It feels like busy work. Yeah. I don't know how many kids are actually truly invested in their education when they're in seventh grade. You know, because like, everything few, is new guess. and everything's exciting. When I think of myself, like I just didn't, like I said earlier in the show, I didn't care at all about school. I just wanted to go like hang out with my friends. You know, I, you do you do the work and stuff just so that you're not embarrassed by your grades. Right. <laughs> not not to be excellent, but you know, <laughs> you know, I know that you're a really good student, so it's probably different, but I I, I did okay in school, but it just well, at wasn't At that time my, I did very well because it was effortless at that point. Yeah. It was for me at least, and I mean it gets more difficult over time, but but still it's not like I mean I didn't do much at all. Effortless is a good way to describe it because I was I was telling telling my wife that when in high school I didn't even like bring books home with me like at the end of the day like I put them all in my locker and I never brought any books home ever I mean that's terrible like I should have been doing terrible in all those classes if I wasn't doing any homework but that's just not how it was you know we had like study hall or what, what we called commons I would just rip as much homework as I could then and if I didn't finish it well I would figure it out tomorrow yeah that's good enough <laughs> moving on. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I didn't mean this to be a diatribe on education, but uh, it's all right. It's a, it's a recurring theme on the show. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think about it a lot. But yeah, I, I, those all those books that they wanted me to read, and I have since read them, and they are fantastic. I don't know if I just wasn't mentally there or whatever it was. I just didn't want to do it then. Well, I, it just I think it just goes to show that everybody's different. I did not read a lot of the stuff I was supposed to read in high school, but I did read a fair amount because. I, I I enjoy it. As far as enriching yourself with art history and literature or music or whatever goes, it, it, the, I I always think about this this cartoon. Or I can't remember if it was a cartoon or a children's book that I was exposed to as a youngster. I think it was Merlin teaching a young King Arthur kingly virtues, like how to be a king. And yep. 
Merlin would transform Arthur into different animals and he would have to live as the animal for a while. So one day he was soaring with the, with the, with the geese and it was like this beautiful, majestic thing. But then the next day he would be in the ant colony working and toiling. And his observation was, man, those ants really get it done. Those guys are super efficient. They build things and they're geniuses at manufacturing, whatever. And then Merlin points out, yeah, but wouldn't you rather fly with the geese? And I, I feel like learning a little bit about more of the cultural stuff, art, music. I think that that's the nice part about living. Now, I know plenty of people, mechanically minded people and otherwise, who don't have that. They don't mm -hmm. care. They just don't care. And, and it just goes to show that there are different people who need to be educated in different ways and respond to different stimuli. I like flying with the geese and I enjoy the, the satisfaction that comes from building something. Where am I going with this? I don't know. I'm just saying that I, I feel like it's important to have all these, these things. I personally would agree with you. I'm at least in my head translating this, uh, uh, you know, to like um, what we would call someone having like a, a more simple life, you know, someone who is introspective and complex. And some of this is obviously just personality and things like that. Sure. But, but I definitely, again, I'll reference another one of your shows. You know, <laughs> you talked, you talked, you, you talked about a, uh, the contractor, you know, who's got like his, his four wheeler and his boat and shit. And he's yeah, just yeah. like hanging out in the way. In, in some ways, I completely and utterly envy because that person, you know, sometimes I, I wouldn't even call them simpleton because that life is completely fine. And I it is completely fine. And, and it, simpleton it, is not the right word, but I know what you're saying. No, it's just someone who is completely satisfied with those things. And so maybe they're material things. Maybe it's not those specific things, right? right? It could be anything. It's almost like a burden to some degree to always be interested in all these other things. Yeah. You know, I, even I buy all these, these goddamn books. I'll probably never read them because I'm never <laughs> going to have time because I'm always busy doing other stuff. Right. And that is another theme. But because like, as we get older, there's more things we find interesting. At least I do. Uh, I mean, I'm constantly finding new things, new hobbies, you know, and yeah, there's the, less time. I'm buying, I'm buying the bus. I never have time to work on the bus. The books are just another example of that. So I see people, other people that I know that have a boat <laughs> and they go on it all the time. And I think, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> How do you have all this time to be on your boat? Like you've got kids too. Like you've, sometimes I think like, what am I doing wrong? But I, I think it's, you know, how we choose to spend our time is the thing. Like, I don't like watch TV or, or anything like that, really. I feel like I'm always working. But that's like a choice I've made. I work for myself. The, I mean, it's a great example of the podcast. Like you said, this is a, something you're doing for yourself. It's constant. There's always something you could be doing. It's true. Like, you go sit down and you, you want to, you know, relax for a little while. You're going to be thinking, man, I should edit that thing with Shane because he swears a lot because he's white trash. So, <laughs> Trust you know, me, like, you, you are not swearing that much. <laughs> okay, good. Some people swear um, a lot. <laughs> I, I forgot. To, I was going to ask you at the beginning what the protocol is because I, I like love to swear. You know, I grew up in Winstead and Torrington. That's what we do. It's a cultural thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I was going with any of that. But I, but I, I guess the point is that I agree that everybody should should have that education, but we kind of make that decision at the macro level and it's not one size fits all. I, I think everyone should read uh, Animal Farm and everybody should read uh, The Sun Also Rises, but some people just don't care and, and that's okay. 
But there's no way to determine that because like in classes, it's like, hey, I'm Shane. I decided that this whole year I'm going to teach everyone about Ernest Hemingway because the one teacher has X number of students. They can't just say, oh, well, you can do this and you guys can do this and you guys can do this over here. So that that's the advantage if you do like a homeschooling type is that it's, it's essentially a custom yeah. education plan. That was a lot there. It was coming back to the homeschooling is good. It's good yeah. that we, we anchored it. That you anchored yeah. it. I, I don't want. I don't want to take credit for your anchor. It's okay. Every now and then, I'll hear a story about homeschooling, and they'll be, and someone will say, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna homeschool my kids." And, and the first thing that pops into my head is, "I don't really think you have any business teaching people things." And, <laughs> but that's very judgmental of me. <laughs> so judgmental, but also probably true. <laughs> but probably it's, true. It's, <clears throat> yeah, I and I, I agree. And the other, the other whole thing is, your kid could end up being like so weird and totally socially awkward. But yeah, some people just flat out, hundred percent, are not qualified to teach anyone anything even intelligent people might not be no. good at teaching no, no definitely just, not it's a, it's a skill it's definitely a skill it requires a certain amount of focus and empathy and I, I i just don't know that everybody has that i know that at this point in my life it would be difficult for me to do it i think that at another time it, it might be fine but right now i could like i just i would go crazy yeah, it's it's a lot. I I just get excited because like my wife and I used to make a joke like, oh, we're going to write a book on all the things that they should teach you in high school. Well, we don't have to write a book. We could just teach our kids those things. You could just do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we could just we just do it. I guess if there was like a un like a union of homeschoolers, you could do like swap days where you go to different households or something. There are lots of things like that. And I it's funny you brought that up. Yeah, so there's like Facebook groups of okay. like people in the area. There was like this whole thing. Join this group if you're just interested in homeschooling in Connecticut. Join this group if you already homeschool in Connecticut. Like they're they're already out there. But again, even family to family, I mean, I guess that's <clears throat> that would be good diversity in terms of you know how you're learning, but other voices, right? But they may be they may be teaching in a way that you're not interested in. The whole reason that you homeschool is, I mean, I guess there's a lot of reasons, but it might be that you essentially, I guess, think you could do a better job, which I guess sounds really arrogant when you say it out loud like that. But that's that's the reason that, and you spend more time with your kids, mm -hmm. bonding, things like that. In, in that regard, though, it, not everybody's in a position where they can do that because, totally. you know, totally money. Yeah, it's I, it's definitely a privilege to be able to do that because sure. that means somebody's somebody's not working. That's 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 100 percent true. So that's maybe where you could take advantage of, like you said, like a community of some kind. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you just did a couple of days or I mean, I guess that's how education used to be. So it takes a village. If it takes a if it takes a village, we're not doing that anymore. No, they do say that, though. Whoever they, they are. Well, they have. It has been said. Yeah. <laughs> What's the show about again? Success. Do you feel successful? <laughs> well, I mean, you have to define that right for yourself. I think that again, that's totally different for everybody. Yeah. You know, do I feel successful? I mean, I think my metric is that I get to spend time with my family, and I have flexibility in in my work. I make enough money that I don't have to literally worry about it. That. I mean, so those, I think those are, I think time is probably the, the I would say for me, at least the, the biggest metric of success, being able to like, if I've got to do something or go somewhere, I could just do that or go there. That That's, that's big. But yeah, I, I, I think so. 
I, I mean, just the whole theme. Yeah, nobody ever, you never have enough time. Yeah, I feel that all the time. You know, there's things that I'm interested in. And I'm just like, like, I was just thinking the other day that I, I think I might sell the bus. Oh, no. Having it. Having it sit out there, it weighs on you. It's like slaps you, you in know? the face every time you look yeah, at it. I have to walk past it. I've I've gutted it. I've put a floor in it. I ran rough electric in it. And it's cool and it's awesome. But somebody else could enjoy it and make it real. I just don't know that I'll have time to do it. I was thinking like, I'll just sell it and buy a camper. Like It's could not as that. cool. It's not as cool, but it also is way easier when you, you've got three kids. <laughs> just I'll just throw them in the camper. Let's go. It's done. I don't have to do anything. My old boss has a... Um... He doesn't have a camper, but he has like a camper wagon. It's ready to go at all times. He just goes to the storage unit, hooks it up to the car, and they'll go anywhere and just set up. All the stuff is in there. It's just ready to go. And they can do that any weekend they want to do it. Right. So it's just, a, it's like a trailer with all this stuff on yeah, it? Yeah, it's like a pop-up trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, they'll, they'll also bring tents with them. He's got three kids. Uh, three? Four. Four kids. So it's it's a big undertaking. But... Yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds like a pretty nice thing to be able to do. Yeah, like any weekend, just go to a, a national park or something and just go and camp. Right. To be honest, we haven't gone a lot. I don't want to blame it on COVID because I, I keep doing that. But that is that is that is one <laughs> of the reasons. Easy. And I've had this happen, and I it's definitely one of the interesting aspects of being ADHD is that I start a lot of projects uh-huh. that I get super excited about, and then I'm like, yeah, no. But then sometimes I'll get excited about them again. I think that's one of the reasons it's nice having a few different businesses. Yeah. Which I, I got a couple other ones we haven't talked about, but maybe we'll talk about it some other time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, having the bus there or before it was this other truck project I was working on, unfortunately, I felt like kind of a sense of relief when it was gone because like, you know, you're so busy and it's it's that you want to work on it and it's stressful not being able to. But it sounds like sense. maybe you want to hold on to that bus just in case. I've got a lot of, you know, sweat equity into the bus. It seems like that's, you know, the sweat equity is recoverable in price when I sell it because... Sure. People are just like really jonesing for these things. That's the kind of project that's hard to get started. So if it's already yeah. started and there's a floor and all yeah. that other crap in there. It, it's it's basically a blank canvas right now. And it has a sweet floor in there. And uh, I did all the terrible work. It's been painted inside. The outside is painted. It's not school bus yellow anymore. It's like this gray and red when the wheels are black. It's it, it's ready to go. It's, it's a little bit underpowered in my opinion, but that's just what I think about every vehicle. <laughs> but it's a bus. And uh, we took it camping once, but it was like very raw, but it was still fun. So that one, that one may go. That's on the chopping block. Um, and then I think that I sadly will probably fold up Terra North altogether and just get rid of all the equipment and stuff. Oh, wow. It's it's like really enjoyable if you have the time and otherwise it just it becomes kind of stressful. Time is more valuable than money, I think. Well, I mean, I, I could use some money right now, but time is is pretty great thing to have. Yeah. And right. it gets shorter so, and shorter every year. Mo- you know, money-wise, I, I think there's, there's probably just some type of, there's just some threshold of money that most people are like, yeah, if I have this much money, you, of course, you always want more because, like, I don't know why. Human nature. But you don't need more. No. You know? So, like, at some point, sometimes people do. A lot of people do. And I'm going to say that most of the people listening to the podcast are probably doing okay. But right. you never know. You don't know. I'm, and I don't, yeah, I don't mean to sound any kind of way saying that, but I just mean, like, any any given person only needs so much money is my point. Sure, yeah. you could always spend more. And you could always, like, elevate your lifestyle to exceed whatever it is that you're getting. <laughs> right. Which I don't recommend, by the way. At some point, there's diminishing returns there. Like, do I really need more stuff? And that's that's kind of the way that 
I've always been, I guess, because we, I didn't have any money growing up at all. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, it's, it's like, I'm always been cheap. I always, and this Jeep that I just bought was like, I mean, I've had this same shitty truck for like ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've gone to customers, some of my IT customers, and I would show up in this truck. It's like rusty and stuff. It's like, okay, I gotta get a new car. So I'm just really cheap when it comes to stuff like that because it's like, you don't need it. This one that I have works fine. Well, especially with cars. Like, I feel like there's a place where you can throw your money. Like, I, I like to buy nice computers and fancy cameras and good lenses and stuff like that. I'm, I'm a headphone enthusiast. I, I like a good amplifier. But like as far as cars go, I also appreciate a good car. But they're money pits. I'm not like a car guy. Although when I get into a good car, I'm just like, oh, damn, <laughs> I get it. Right. But you're not, you're not, you're not willing to, to spend that kind of money. I am not. I, I, to, I, I, so I, I, I would say that I am a car guy and I still wouldn't spend that yeah. kind of money on the car because <laughs> I just, I, I value other things so much more. Exactly. And yeah, to, to, I mean, I'm not like an audiophile or anything, but, but I, you know, I, there are specific things that I would spend a little more money on. It's, it's worth it to buy this thing. For me, it's usually stuff around the farm. It's like, I'll buy this really nice lawnmower. Tools are great. Yeah. Yeah, to, or, or like I, I really want this specific welder because I'll have it for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. And it's, you know, it's not like a car. Cars are, I agree with you about cars. Um, I like cars, but I just stick with kind of old, you know, old nice cars or or just projects. I just like to, to you know, kind of tinker on, on you know, work on cars, swap motors and things like that. So old cars are much better for that kind of stuff. They certainly are. I, I don't really know that people swap motors on uh, Teslas. No, oh, the Tesla wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. But yeah, my brother actually has a Tesla and it is very nice. It's like it, he came here, I don't know, I think when he picked, after he picked it up and like the self-driving stuff, it's just, it's kind of wild. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we could, we could keep talking about stuff, but I, this might be a good place to end. To be honest, uh, Jim, I could talk to you about stuff all day because I got lots of stuff to talk about. Yeah. I think there's a whole interesting story maybe not even just for me, but in general, when you, when you talk to people that you know, feel successful, I guess, cause it's the show definition there about how the relationship was, is, is how they, how they got there. You know, so you talk to Sweet Tech, he was super happy about being a teacher and that was great. And he actually kind of told the story of why he became a teacher in that path. But a lot of people that you talk to, are, some of them wish for more success, essentially, mm-hmm. um, in some way, and they articulate that. But uh, I, I wonder, like, if there's a story on how people are happy how they got there, right? I think a lot of, it kind of still feeds in. I think a lot of what we um, are taught, like how we get what we want, I, I just don't, I don't think it's accurate. The idea that, you know, if you want to be this thing that you have to go to school for it and where you just can't like just go do it. I'm using the tree thing that I do as an example because like I had no idea how to do it. I literally bought some DVDs and I watched them and I just was like, I'm a tree guy now. Obviously I got some crappy jobs because everyone's like, oh, you have experience. I'm like, nah. Um, <laughs> but I like did it and I just, I really was super interested in it. Like I get, so I read all these books and I got all the, you know, all these videos and I watched all these YouTube videos. And I learned all about cutting and pruning and bracing and everything I could. And then I started reading all the material that you need to take the uh, Connecticut Arborist license through Yukon in Connecticut. It's, you know, Yukon puts out a bunch of the material. So I read all that stuff, all about pest management. You could just like go do it. And I think that that's something that is not really being taught all that well anymore. Sure. Fine. So you go to high school. Great. But like, you don't have to go to college. You can just decide like, Hey, 
I'm going to fucking be this thing. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm just going to go be it. <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to look for other people that are doing it and just say, Hey, because I think especially as people get older, they're really happy to like impart some knowledge, you know, sure. like if I, you know, if I was to go be a mechanic, if I go find a, a young guy, he might not be as willing, but if I find like an, an old guy that's got, you know, older, I shouldn't say old because it's like me now, but I find a guy that's got 35 years of experience. He might be happy to like, Hey, this is, this is how you do it. This is what you do. He'd give you, you know, that foundational knowledge that you and I talked about. You could just go get it from somebody like from another person, you know, the way that like trades used to be passed down it yeah. is that way. There's a lot to be said for just like going and trying to do something and being horrible at it and just knowing you're going to be horrible at it and being okay with that because that's literally the way I did it and it worked out really well. I think you're a positive example in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I did. I think I did that with almost everything, by the way, IT as well. <laughs> just don't tell my clients that. And the thing is like, and, and I, I, I always do this is I'll backpedal at the end because I'm so appreciative for like the fact that I there was any formal education ever. Like for, for my mom, there was, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have any other options. I went to school and maybe it was like glorified daycare, but I obviously learned the, how to read and write and, and to add. I just think that it, it could have, it could have been great. And it was just like, okay. It was fine. Is my, my, <laughs> exactly. It's, it was fine. It, it did, it did all right. I mean, do you want to soar with the geese or do you want to, uh, exactly hang out with the ants? I mean, obviously <laughs> I want to do both. That's the problem. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being on the show, Shane. I appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Shane. Remember when I said calling him an IT guy wasn't adequate to describe him? Well, now you see that I was correct. Way back in the day, I guess we were probably about 13, I always loved hanging out with Shane because he dove into things head first, even if they were sort of dumb, like trying to break into the local summer camp so we could hang out with girls there. Pretty sure that was his idea but maybe he remembers it differently. Another time, we almost got trapped in Alexis Makowitz's basement. Now that I think of it, I can't imagine that her mom didn't know something was going on, but that doesn't matter. It was dark, we couldn't see, but we got out of the basement anyway. It blows my mind that we didn't get caught. Sorry, Mrs. Makowitz. I hope we didn't break anything. The point is that his enthusiasm and willingness to make things work is sort of infectious, and I admire that. And I'm happy to see that it has served him well in his adult life. So yeah, I expected to talk about education in this episode, but not quite as much as we did. I guess that's just something that people retrospectively think about as they get older. Shane and I are pretty much the same age and we come from pretty much the same place. And as different as our lives are, we both find ourselves thinking and talking about education quite a bit. Does everyone do that? Is it just people with kids? Do you do that? Or are you a younger person who's making decisions about education right now? Like right now. I'd love to hear about your situation let's engage. Send me an email, drop me a line. My email address is mail at feelfreetodeviate.com. Thanks for being on the show, Shane. You can check out all the Shane-related links and references in the show notes. Some links include Shane's companies, independentconnections.com or IndieCon, that's independent-connections.com, or terranorth.com, that's the tree one. Some homeschooling resources are timeforlearning.com, that's Time for the number four learning.com and homeschool.com slash resources. You can also find him on Instagram at Shane54. You know who else you can find on Instagram? Me. I'm at Feel Free to Deviate on both Facebook and Instagram. Follow, like, and comment on everything there. 
tell a friend. I love it when people tell friends. If you aren't down with social media, you can send any and all correspondences to my previously mentioned email address, mail at feelfreetodeviate.com. Thanks to Ed at Boomkast.com. That's B-O-O-M-K-A-A-S.com for audio post-production. And thank you, dear listener. As always, I really appreciate your time. I know that there are other things that you could be doing right now, and I'm glad that you chose to listen to me. I hope you like surprises because I am not certain what the next episode will be. I'm trying to figure that out right now. So hang in there and try to do something that satisfies you deeply today, or at least something that satisfies you a little. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks.